This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Joe Bevilacqua and New Chapel in Grand Rapids, Michigan. For more information, please visit newchapel.com. Well, good morning, church. How are we all doing? Y'all just look good. Hey, one quick announcement before we jump into today's message. Uh, our planners are out there at guest services, and I've done an awful job of marketing these. I should have been talking about these more. And we're getting towards February, and it's kind of that point of no return with a, with a calendar. So what we're doing is we're offering these for 50% off. And so please do. It's, a, it's, it's actually, we paid more for them. But I want you to have these actually as discipleship tools in here, weekly church notes, things like that, setting spiritual goals. And so check them out, if nothing else, and uh, buy them for a mom, a wife. And you men get organized in Jesus' name. By the way, they don't all look this like girly and bougie. There's there's different covers for the men. And so anyway, I'm going to give you this one right here. You need some organization in your life, Lizzie. God bless you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to John's Gospel, chapter 20, if you would. This series has been so great. How many of y'all enjoyed last week with Pastor Brian? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, we need to learn how to navigate controversy and conflict well, and if you missed that, go to newchapel.com slash watch and check it out. Uh, Today, I have to somehow figure out how to put a bow on a series that I really could preach until July. Um, If you haven't been here, you did miss half your life, but we're bringing to you the Jesus of the Bible, Jesus who was not all unicorns and rainbows and free hugs, not just buddy Jesus, not just love, but also truth where he didn't let people walk all over him. He was a man's man. He was strong. He's mighty to save. Can I hear an amen? And trying to convey who he is in that way and how for many things, a great many things in our life, he doesn't just ask them in in a passive way. He asks them in a very definite way. And today I want to bring out a subject, again, you could preach so long on, but the fact that God wants you to put him first. In a particular way, I'll get that into a second, but Can I say this? There's some things that God can't do. Did you know that? He can't take second. He won't. He's incapable of being second. God is first. And and he asks that of all of his followers that we would put him first in all things. And when we don't, it's just because it gums up our life. It messes things up. I think about how Jesus spoke in the book of Revelation. He was writing a letter, or John was writing it for him to the book uh, or to the church in Ephesus, and he says, "I've got this one thing against you, that you've left your first love." And that sounds like something that we would really need to do some like mining in our heart for, like some introspection. What he says is, "You've left your first love, so you need to go back to your first works." Now, I'm not a works guy in the sense that I'm not telling you that you can even earn your way to God. It's impossible. Like, God's love is a gift to you. But because he loves you, there are some things that we can do in our Christian walk that will align our hearts and our lives towards him. Can you say amen? Even if you don't know what I'm talking about, say amen. And and so one of them in particular is the fact that we put God first. And first in all things, our actions matter. And there are some aligning practices that we can have cemented in our life that if we put God first, we're going to see godly results. In particular, Jesus wants you to give him the first part of your day when you wake up. He's looking for the first part of your financial life. I mean, when you get paid, he's looking for you to honor him with the tithe. 
And I found that when you honor God with the first part of your day, your day is so much better than if you just woke up and all that was on your mind is the Keurig. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody in the room? Just be honest. And, and when you put them first in your finances, the 90% that you have left goes further with God's blessing than the 100% would have without God's blessing. I found that you can trust him. Anytime that God is asking you to put him first, it's not for semantics. He's not trying to prove something or flex. He's asking you to make him a priority, and it's for a purpose. It's actually for you. And in particular today, I want to talk about this. In Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Today's title for the sermon is Brazen Jesus and the First Day. Write this down. Gathering on the first day is an aligning practice for Christ followers. It aligns your heart. When you put God first on the first day, it is something that aligns your week. It aligns your heart for the week. It can align your family's activities. It is putting God first. Can I hear an amen? And these aligning practices, they're massive. So today is Sunday. You made it. I am officially preaching to the choir. So ready? Give me a B flat on the count of three. One, two, three. Uh, you're smart. And, uh, but seriously, I understand that you're here. It's a huge deal. And I am preaching to you, and I'm preaching to those that might be watching online, which, by the way, let's just take a little pause for the cause. If you're watching online because you're sick or because you're snowed in, or because you are deathly afraid of the icy roads, or whatever. I'm so happy that you're watching us online. If you're watching us online because you like to stay all day in your pajamas, or in your unmentionables, and you like to eat Doritos while you watch me, this is a TV show, okay? This is not church. You're not having church. You're watching something on Facebook. And so what we want you to do is stop being lazy and come to church. Hashtag Brazen Jesus. I love you. Can I hear an amen? People in the room want to hang out with you. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Church online is a supplement. It's not the nutrient. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know what that makes me think about? Uh, back in the day, do you remember going to the drive-in theater for 3D movies? They'd hand out those little uh, cardboard glasses with the blue and red. And if you don't know what that is, you're like a 20-something or under. But, you know, they, they'd put those on, and you'd watch the movie on the drive-in, and what it would do is they filmed it a certain way and they presented it a certain way where it would make it layers that you could see with the blue, red, and in your brain it would, it would come out as 3D. You'd see the movie as 3D. And I have found, because my glasses were sadly destroyed, that you can suffer the headache of sitting through one of those movies and you can like look at it and you can make out the plot and you're getting kind of the, the highlights, but how many of y'all know you're not going to get all the dimension of what's there unless you have the proper equipment. It was the same way with online church or church. And I think that it also can be the same way for those that might be sitting in church but don't understand the gravity of what it means. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to show you two different lenses, if you will, that really are practical and spiritual, that if you get these, you'll really understand church, and it can be a life-changing thing for you, something that marks you in an aligning practice that can change your life. Researchers have been at it for years before 2020, but especially since, and they have found this. In-person community is something that cannot be replaced by online augmentation. I'm sorry, Mr. Zuckerberg, the metaverse still isn't real, 
And, uh, and so we have to realize as much as we can do a Zoom meeting, that's great. I like it because it's effective. But there's nothing like meeting a person, shaking their hand, seeing them eye to eye, hugging somebody's neck. It's, it's, it's that, that proximity that matters. It's a huge deal. I'm going to read for you three scriptures. I had you open to John's Gospel, chapter 20. Uh, I'm going to blaze through these pretty quick, and uh, we'll spend more time in other scriptures later. But John 20 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Now, on the first day, now on the, say it with me, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away. We're not going to read the whole passage there, but uh, it is the Resurrection Sunday account, the, the first day of the week, and uh, Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus. Remember that uh, Jesus' resurrection was on the first day. We'll talk about that in a minute. Acts chapter 20, the Bible says this in verse 7, on the first day of the week, on the, say with me, on the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, that's communion, it used to be a meal and not fish food and welches. When we used to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day, but he prolonged his sermon until midnight. Now, not my point, but the Apostle Paul preached so long in this account. If you read on, there was a guy that was listening, and he was in the windowsill, and he got tired during the message, and he done fell asleep and fell out, but not in the Pentecostal sense. I'm talking about out the window, on the road, and he died. And, and so they had to stop that service. Paul went out, and they had to turn it into a miracle service, raised the guy from the dead, and my man went back to preaching, which encourages me because every once in a while, not me, probably Pastor Brian or Kaya, they go long here at this church. And so, so it encourages me that God will have my back in case any of y'all fall out. But what I am showing you is that the church was meeting on the first day, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning... The collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so also are to you. On the first day of every week, on the, say with me, on the first day, right, of every week, each of you, that's good, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. And so as you're getting paid, we want you to set aside a little bit of money so that there'll be no special collection when I come. What's happening here? The Apostle Paul has heard about some persecution that's happening in the church that's in Jerusalem. They're, they're going through it. And so uh, the Apostle Paul is an apostolic leader. He's visiting all the churches that are in his care, and he's going to them and saying, look, I need you to store up some cash because when I get there, I don't have a lot of time, and I don't want to spend a lot of money and time talking to you about this to try to rally you into giving. I need you to decide to do it. Whatever you're going to do, do it, so that when I'm there, I don't have to talk about it. I can go all business and then just take it with me. I'll make sure they get it. Does it make sense? That's what he's talking about there. But here's what I want you to say. It's talking about the first day of the week. They were together, we just read, and each of them were to have a part to play in this offering. Here's the idea. The Bible is written with the presupposition that the born-again Christian is in church. That's how it's written. The book of Revelation, like I just mentioned earlier, where it's uh, uh, God speaking to the church in Ephesus. He's speaking to the pastor there. These letters that John was writing were going to churches there. I'm not saying that God can't speak to you outside of church. I'm saying it'll be rare if ever if you're not plugged into church. You've got to be plugged into the house of God. God has a plan in this place, and today you're going to see what that looks like. Now, uh, 
when is the first day of the week? A lot of people think that it's Monday, and that's because of school and work and a lot of financial sectors open on Monday, but the reality is Sunday is the first day of the week. In fact, Sunday is the first financial transaction day that you have an opportunity to make with God. Here's what I'm trying to say, is that Sunday is this pinnacle day that's set aside for worship, and it has been throughout all of church history. We have a precedent for all of this. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody ask me, Pastor Joe, is a Saturday night service, is that okay? Is that coming? And let me just tell you, not only is it okay, I'd really like to have a Saturday night service here at the church. In fact, just unscientific poll, who would be kind of good with going on a Saturday night and not Sunday morning? Yeah. Like this guy too, we might make Pastor Brian take the mornings, but so is Saturday night okay? Well, number one, let me just say as a blanket statement, yes. Uh, Jews don't mark the day from midnight to midnight, so if you're talking about Saturday night, they would consider that the beginning of Sunday anyway. Their Sabbath begins Friday night. Uh, number two, there's also great scriptural precedent for a Sabbath day celebration. There's a whole church that met yesterday called the Seventh-day Adventist, and we actually agree with them on a great many things, but the fact that we don't believe it has to be on Saturday, we actually, there's more history and orthodoxy in the church meeting on Sunday. It's fine that they meet on Saturday, and actually some of them have gotten wise to that, and they rent out their church on Sunday morning to churches that are not of their camp. Tell me how that works theologically, but praise the Lord. Uh, and then finally, if you're sometime on Saturday going to church, it's Sunday somewhere in the, somewhere in the world, and so you're, you're fine in all of that. But here's the idea. For 2,000 years of the church, there is a precedent. Write this down. This is very practical. Number one, the gathering of the church to worship is a practice that aligns us together as a church and chiefly aligns our hearts toward God. You see, in all of this that I'm saying, I, I want to convey this clearly. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. I would venture to guess that even how you found Christ had to do with a church doing something, or number two, somebody that was faithful, the church that led you to the Lord. Okay? So this idea of the Lone Ranger Christian all out on his own, I have a personal relationship with God. I don't believe in organized church. It does not gel with the, with the Jesus of the New Testament, and he's brazen about it. And in fact, your personal relationship with God will suffer if you're outside of the house. So I'm not diminishing your personal relationship. I'm emphasizing your personal relationship with God and saying that it does something for all of us in the room, but it also does something for that personal relationship with God. That's a practical reason, and in a minute we'll talk about a spiritual reason. But you need both of these lenses. What are the practical benefits of us being a church that comes together on Sunday, the first day, and worships Him? couple things. Uh, the Pew Group did a, uh, a polling, a research, uh, and they found this. Actively religious adults are more likely to be happy, volunteer their time to good causes, and be more civically involved than non-religious and non-practicing religious people. Another poll from the Pew Research, uh, they found this. Uh, the 20-somethings, these are the millennials and Gen Z in our culture that attend church regularly are 18% happier than those who do not. Now, don't forget, the millennials and Gen Z, this is the number one demographic from Pfizer that are being targeted for anti-anxiety and antidepressants. The number one group. And they're happier because they attend church. Um, they're 33% less likely to indulge in drugs or experience emotional depression. So here's what I'm trying to show you. In a practical side, attending church, there's huge emotional 
and, and, and uh, natural benefits to doing this. The Gallup poll, uh, very similar to this, found that men and women who kept attending church during 2020. Y'all remember 2020? So long ago and feels like yesterday at the same time, right? Um, 2020 was wild. And they found in this poll that churches slimmed down by 20% across the board. People never to darken the door again. If they didn't attend during 2020, 20% down in those churches. That is in contrast to your church. During 2020 and 2021, we grew by 32% as a church. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this Gallup poll, they found that men and women who kept attending church during 2020 were 58% more likely to report that their mental health was excellent compared to those who rarely attended, never, or stopped attending church during the same. Parents, if you do not attend church regularly, your children, statistically, one in 50 of that generation of a child growing up in that house, one in 50 will grow up to attend church regularly. I'm telling you, if you don't attend regularly, one in 50 of the next generation are going to be faithful Christians. If one parent does go regularly, statistically, it jumps up to one out of four kids. Uh, that's, that's an amazing thing. Would not go. So three out of four would. Now, that is a stat that's across the board with every denomination, every people group, uh, but Christian. And so think about it. Our church is life-giving. I think about the curriculum that we have back there for young people. I think your odds are far better. So don't think like, oh, man, Pastor Joe and Kai have four kids. One of them is going to defect. <laughs> Let me read this for you. <laughs> Some of y'all are thinking of one of my kids because you serve back in new kids. We might be thinking of the same one. <laughs> He'll change the world, won't he? Quiet. <laughs> this is from USA Today, an op-ed piece in 2016 called Religion is the Miracle Drug. USA Today. If one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost, what value would our society place on it, and what would they pay for it? It goes on to say, there is such an elixir, and it's called going to church. I'm just going to go ahead and say, nobody at USA Today is saved, okay? There might be one guy holding out. That's hyperbole, but consider the source. They don't print just, well, they do print just anything, but... That's another sermon. <laughs> From just a practical side, an emotional side, a generational benefit side, a standpoint there, the practicalities of going to the house of God and worshiping the Lord on Sunday as a family is massive. Single parents, don't be discouraged. The stat I just read you about, three out of four will serve God, it stands meaning you can trump other negative statistics that are spoken over your life by being faithful to the house of God. When I was young, uh, my mother left our family when I was four or five years old. She became a drug addict and alcoholic. So I spent a lot of my summers and weekends with my grandma, who was as country as cornbread, okay? She lived out about 13 mile in Kenowa. Uh, maybe you've ever seen the Van Belsen auction house. That's my cousin. And uh, they had a house there, and I tell you what, we went to church. And it's not that they were super Christians, that they knew a whole bunch about the Bible. My grandpa read the Bible. I think it confused him, but he kept reading it because he said he was going to do it, okay? 
he went to, through, to school through eighth grade. I mean, he read NIV and just loved to ate it up, didn't understand a word of it. When we went to church, we would sit in the back row because we wanted to get out there right away because my grandparents smoked out of a corn cob pipe, everybody, and we needed to go out to the parking lot, which was gravel, okay? But I went to church. I remember one Sunday, and I'd stayed up all night playing Super Mario World. I have no idea, right? And, and I'm playing Zelda, and I wake up, and I'm so tired. I'm like, Grandpa, I'm just going to sleep in. And my grandpa was old school. My grandpa was the guy that would tell you, go cut a switch. Don't talk about anybody. I see that hand. May I have another? I see that hand. And so he just looked at me when I said that. Like, he, just, he just looked at me and goes, I want you in the Buick in two minutes. And it was like, okay, <laughs> just go do it. <laughs> because, so we went to church, and it's not that they, I'm saying that because it's not that they knew so much or, or taught me so much. I mean, we were watching Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, they were smoking that corncob pipe. We weren't talking about the Lord all the time, but we went to church. And so much, you wonder, how does he know so much? I was just listening to what they had to say. Your kids can absorb those truths at a young age. And how much more back at New Kids, where our curriculum is kick butt, everybody, and we're setting you up for success. I mean, I'm telling you, your kids, they, they benefit from all of that. And parents, don't be afraid to mandate in your house that your kids go to church. Don't be afraid of them. Oh, I know they'll put up a fit. Believe me. Well, how could you do that? This is authoritarian. I thought you hated mandates. You want the line? I'm going to feed you the line. I brought you into this world, and I'm done going to take you out. Get in the Buick. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You don't get a vote. When did we stop taking a vote with teenagers? They can't manage their B.O. Their nose is too big for their head. They can't get the spots off their face. Who in the Lord gave them a vote in any of this? <laughs> Let's press on. <laughs> Psalm 73, David, King David is raiding, and he's raiding really from his heart. He's going through a hard time. Wicked people are prospering, and he's just laying it out there. This is what it says in Psalm 73. When I thought how to understand all of this, pause for a second. We all get there. We look at the news, we look at a bad report, we look at something that comes out of the blue, a bad bill that just shows up out of nowhere. I'm telling you, we all get to the spot where it's like, what's going on? David's there. He says, when I thought how to understand all of this, it seemed to me wearisome. This is stressful. It, it makes me anxious. I got anxiety. He says, he says, I was wearisome until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned therein. He's trying to say, I'm just like you. And by the way, everybody look at me. I'm just like you. I deal with stresses. I deal with bad news. The enemy knocks at my door just like he does at your door. And, and in the midst of all of it, I will tell you, it has been the anchor of our life in our, our married life. And before we were married for years, the anchor has been church where you might come in and you're like, I don't know. I don't get it. What's going on? What's this in the news? Wars, rumors of wars. Like this is starting to look like, I don't know, one of John Hagee's scary looking charts that he puts up. Like what's going on? And yet you can leave church with all the problems of the world and, and coming in, and then you leave, and you're like, I don't know it all, but I know God. Anybody else ever have that sensation? I still don't have it all figured out, but I know God. 
and I know the one whose universe is in his hands. Hallelujah. David went to the house of the Lord, and he got an eternal perspective, and that changes everything. There's something about being in the house of God, and though you might have had a stressful week, and we all face it, the patina of the world might be on you when you walk in. Our, our world looks more like ancient Babylon than it does of America in the 1950s altogether in like two years. There's things that are happening. Like I said, darkness, wars, rumors of wars. Uh, uh, people face the unknown every day. People face opposition, difficulties, challenges. And while we're facing all of these hard things, they still haven't fixed the ever-loving roads. And so 131 is still plugged up in the midst of like, you can have the worst day of your life and you're still driving slow. The devil. And so, you know it's a spiritual battle. Come on. When you, Jesus, take the wheel. When we, when we come into the house of the Lord and you hear the word of God and you leave this place with that eternal perspective, it does change us and we need it. We need it, church. And without it, I'm telling you, without the anchor of the church, your life will begin to go just one degree off even and you'll stray from God's best for your life. There are no independent agent Christians. The Bible says in Psalm 92 in verse 13, one of my favorite scriptures in the word, that those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. You want to know one of the great secrets to success? Take it from a guy that had holes in his shoes, baked a birthday cake when Kai and I were first seeing each other so I could exist. I'd iron my old, old clothes to have nice straight clothes, but they were all shabby with holes in them. I learned to docker my socks years and years and years ago. I was poor. But I have flourished in my life. I have flourished, and it's because I'm planted in God's house. The anchor of my life is here. You want to flourish in the marketplace. You want to flourish in your career. I'm telling you, anchor your life to God's house, and you'll flourish. We need to be planted, and planted means priority. When God asks for priority, it's always in our best interest. Now, that's the practical just practical reasons. I want to give you another reason. Gathering together as a church is more important than just a bunch of people in a building. Number two, write it down. Gathering as the church is actually a prophetic remembering of Christ's resurrection. It is, in a word, practicing resurrection. I want to say that again. It's a prof when we gather, when we get together as a church, it's a prophetic remembering of Christ's resurrection. Well, what do you mean by that? First of all, let me do this. What do you mean by church? And I get all kinds of answers about this over the years, especially I've talked with some people and they say, oh, Pastor Joe, nature is my church. When I get out into the woods, that's my cathedral. I'm just so close to God. Another person, they're stretching a little bit further, and they say, when I get out and I'm playing golf, that's my church. We know you ain't for real. That's crazy. Even the people that think that nature is their church are laughing at you. But beyond that, there's some people that say, well, you know, I just get together with a couple other people, and we have dinner, and that's church. Listen to me. I love you, but I have a license to do this. None of that is church. All of those things are wonderful. I love nature. I am dreaming right now about doing a mission trip to South Africa because I want to do a lion hunt. Take it or leave it. I love nature so much I want to mount it on my wall. Makes me feel close to the Lord. Pow, pow. 
what about the animals? I don't know. Eat them. What was I preaching about? I got excited there for a second. Kai knows I've been watching all these YouTubes about African safaris the last couple of days. None of those things are the church, even though you may feel God's spirit when you're doing those things. And somebody says, well, the church is people. That's a very limited statement. It's very limited. You're born again. You are a member of the church global, but that's not what a church is. A Jesus definition of a church, and you might want to take a a picture with your phone on this because it's long because I'm me. The church is the locally gathering, many-membered people of God. There's the people of God. There's There's your personal relationship. But it's the locally gathering, many-membered people of God, under God-ordained authority. Not everybody that printed out an ordination from the first church of the internet should be your pastor. Hallelujah. Where the gospel is rightly preached, holla, and where the ordinances are rightly administered, baptism, communion, marriage between a man and a woman. Now, church, that's church. If you're describing church, that's what it is. It's not a different thing. And so you say, well, I'm a member of God's church, and I meet out inside the, the wilderness. No, you're, you're Lone Ranger. You might agree that Jesus is Lord. You just haven't made him Lord. Oh, man. If I was like one of those fiery preachers, that'd be like a little clip for the Facebook. Like, have you made him Lord? You know, slap your neighbor a high five and say, act right. Okay, what does this all mean when we say that gathering together as a church, we're practicing resurrection? I want to tell you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, Jesus says that if you're gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of you. Now, I'm taking this somewhere. Do you remember the first scripture that I shared? It was talking about the first day, but it was was really talking about resurrection. Jesus raising from the dead. And we just read in Matthew 18 that where we gather is, is the church. He is there in the midst of all of us. We're talking about resurrection. We're talking about first day of the week. We're talking about this, this, this concept. Now, go here with me. Jesus, on the morning, the, the very early part of that morning, is dead on Resurrection Sunday. He was dead. His body was, was broken. Now, not a bone, but his body was broken down. He was in a tomb. A tomb represents darkness. His body is in that tomb. And what happened? God breathes his Holy Spirit into Jesus, and his body is regathered. Every bit of it is regathered. He is reconstituted together, all together. Now now think of this. He's a many-member body. He's got all the different body parts we have. they're, They're regained together, and it happened on the first day of the week. It happened on Sunday. There was resurrection. He was re put together by the Spirit of God. I'm going someplace. He came out of the darkness, walked out of the tomb. The very first words that Jesus spoke were peace. This is massive. Question. Today, who is the body of Christ? Let me help you. 1 Corinthians 12 very simply and directly says, you are the body of Christ. Now think of this. This is more than just symbolism. This is spiritual None of us are the whole body. Does that make sense? Like, if we're the body of Christ, I mean, some of y'all are the ear, and some of you are the hands for outreach. I'm the mouthpiece. You know, some of you are the feet of the body of Christ. You know, some of you are the muscles. And by the way, Pastor Brian, he's the muscles, but I look just like that. I just have like a really big baggy shirt on. And so, you know, but we're all different parts in the body of Christ, right? None of us are the complete picture, but when we come together, we're the body of Christ. Okay, now think about it. Through the week, we're scattered. 
we're, we're living in the world. How many of y'all know the world has done lost? It's mine. It's crazy. And so you're, you're, the body of Christ is scattered. It's in the world. It's in a spot of darkness and all this. But on Sunday, on the first day, the church comes together. The body of Jesus reunites together. And, and, and we together, we, we're remembering the Lord's Day. The Bible tells us to remember the Lord's Day. Re means again. Member means to gather together again. We're, we're coming together again. It is a prophetic declaration of Jesus raising from the dead. And it happens when the body of Christ comes together, reunites together, remembers, reconstitutes. We are saying, in essence that the power of death, hell, and the grave cannot hold us down because we are in Jesus. Amen, somebody. What does God do? God breathes his spirit into us when we're in this house and we leave thinking we can take on hell with a squirt gun. What do we do? We come together and worship the one and only king of this universe. We put our dependence and our hope on him. We make a prophetic declaration to this world outside of these four walls that we trust Jesus beyond anything else. Let God be true and every man a liar. I trust in my God. Say amen, somebody. It is a powerful and subversive message in a statement to the dark world. Death, darkness, sin, and evil will not have the final word. What will the word be? Peace. That's what you are looking for, friend. And prophetically, when you are a part of a body of Christ and you are plugged in and you are coming together, I'm not saying this in any weird way. I'm saying it in a spiritual way. We are the body of Christ. Wow, wow. Right now, you are spiritually seeing a glimpse into what happens in the spiritual world when we come together. You know what's funny? We don't even think of it like that, do we? You come to church, you're like, oh, man, I like the coffee that they hear, you know, cream, 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 cream. You're like, oh, I like that song, man. How does that guy sing so high? I don't know. It's cool. I don't like it. You know, it's good. I like it. You know, keep the coffee warm, wave at Jesus, you know. And then you're like, oh, he's kind of funny when he preaches. Oh, that's good. That's good, you know. And then you leave, but you don't realize that what we're doing is so spiritual. It is powerful. And you might not catch it in your mind, but your spirit is all over it. You need it. You need to plug into the power of God. And when we hear the message and we're able to worship God and we're together doing it, it does something. What does it do? It reminds us. Oh, it's not all on me. Thank God I can trust in you. Today, this morning... Two billion Christians all over the world, some in the underground, some in the safari, some in Europe, some that are ostracized, some of them in big, big rooms, and some of them in small rooms, are meeting to proclaim prophetically resurrection life. Wow, that's amazing. Now, spiritually, we all have a part to play. There's a difference in between going to church and being the church. There's a difference in between convenience and covenant. You know what I've seen in the past several years, and probably even before my time, last 20, 30 years, is church in America has become very consumer-driven. Like, what can you give me? What kind of programming do you have for the kids? What kind of things do you offer for people? I want all the stuff, and it's for me. And let me just give you a hashtag brazen Jesus moment. Jesus chooses your church. You don't get a vote. So your whole goal, if you're a first-time visitor, like, glad you came today. This is a lot. But 
It's to say, Jesus, where are you sending me to church? Is this home? If it's not home, go. There was one person, Kaya, Ed, you know, Sheila, you know I'm talking about. They came here from Calvary Church. They came here, and they ran that pastor through the mud, talked him one side, talked him the other. Couldn't believe they were spending so much money on the building, and they wanted to meet with the pastor. I want to meet with Pastor Joe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pastor Brian's like, listen, I, I really take those meetings. I want to meet with the pastor. Okay. So they set up a meeting. He said, let me meet with him. I said, don't you ever speak a word of evil of that man. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're making yourself look like a fool. That man's led thousands of people to the Lord. He has a way bigger room than I am with people filled in that love Jesus. You are forbidden for attending here. Go back, make it right with your pastor. And if he releases you, I'll receive you. But you're wrong. And what you're doing is evil. Don't talk smack to me about your old pastor. I won't listen to it. And I've served some pretty awful people. Hallelujah. Some, I'm in ministry despite those people. I'm going to tell you, I don't need to hear it. You give it to God. Don't put it on my plate because I'm going to listen to it. Because I bet you anything, you come in here talking smack about him, you'll be leaving talking smack about Joe Bevelock before long. We need to not look at church as a consumer product. We need not say, what is it in, what, what's in it for me? We need to say, I am consumed by Jesus. And it's not, what is it, what's in it for me? It's what's in me for it, because I'm a part of this thing. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are in this room, I am not going to look through you. You are not getting off because you're old or young or in between anywhere, poor or rich. It's all hands on deck. This is the church. You have a gift that somebody else in this room needs, and I'm going to show it to you. You're going to get it. This is huge. God knows this, although we're not called to consumer church, that you do need to be built up. I understand that. God understands it. First Peter chapter 2. This is huge. You like living stones. Everybody say living stones. Like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. So again, we're not Rite Aid Church. It is us, but it's us gathered, right? You're, you're being built up as a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. God gets it. You coming on Sunday is a part of your week. He is, to be clear, asking for it. Acceptable to God through Jesus. Now, God is trying to build you up. He wants to do it in this spiritual house. So some of the growth that you want as a Christian is never going to come from the next Bethmore Bible study. It's going to come from in the church, maybe doing that same curriculum. But it's going to be in the gathering. It's not you, num, 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 more Hillsong Channel TBN. It's going to be you in the church, like pouring coffee for people and opening doors. Does it make sense? And so what God wants to do is build you up. Jesus said... I will build the church. One thing in all of history, God Almighty said, he said it through his only son, the, the second part of the Godhead, I'll build my church. He died to build something, New Chapel, and it was his church. Wow. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Catch this. When you and I get together on this, it is a massive threat to hell. Massive. Now, I see myself as a living stone. Here's what I mean. I'm not a brick. She's a brick. Uh, you're welcome. I don't even know where we're going to go sometimes. Bricks are all uniform. You know what I'm talking about? Stones are all different. 
Stones are shaped by like what happened to them, by the pressures on them. By some, some of them are real smooth from a river. Some of them are real coarse. Some of them are, are, are kind of glassy or, or have crystals in them. Like stones are individual. You're a stone. And what God is saying is, I'm going to build this spiritual house like a living stone. How many of you have seen that castle up there near Charlo, uh, Charlevoix? You know what I'm talking about? Or you've ever seen a real big stone fence? Imagine it without any mortar, and it's a dry stack. You ever seen one of those? They actually can be stronger than one with mortar. And the idea is that you, in some of your deficits and some of your strengths, are going to fit into this body, this one. Stop thinking church global. What are you doing for church global right now? I don't even know. That's everybody's default. That's crazy talk. You're not doing anything church global, okay? It's church local that we're trying to build, okay? So listen, you, in your deficit, somebody else is going to fill in where you're not so good at something. Like, I can talk to all of you. I don't know if I could really talk to any of you. Ed and Sheila have talked to every one of you. Does that make sense? Like, you think if I ever had to go up on stage and get my testimony, I'd puke, Pastor Joe. I'm more comfortable right now than I've been all week. Different gifts. Some people are back there with kids, and they had a sacrifice. We had a whole bunch of people call in, and they're back there, both services. And they're like, yes, yes. And so these different gifts are massive, and we all need each other. And somehow God is able to use all of these different things and put us together as a spiritual house. And I'm going to show you this. You're going to get it and never forget it. I'm dating myself a little bit. Throw up the slide, guys. Anybody else like Power Rangers in the house? Oh, man. After school, I couldn't wait to get off of my bus. 91B, Linda Andrejack, get off that bus. Because I need to get home because at 4 o'clock... That music was going to play, and it was electric, and, 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 and it was going to be the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and they would get together, and they would, they would have these zords, and the zords were all different, and then they would, they would get pieced together. In fact, you know, here's just the best way to show it. It's a little piece of my childhood right now, right here. Oh, Kimberly, girl, how'd you fall? That was my first love was Kimberly. I'm sorry, baby, but she was. Topanga and Kimberly, you know what I'm talking about? It's the same plot every single show. Hate to be a spoiler alert, but there are the different zords that the Power Ranger heroes go into, and they try to beat evil, and they struggle, and the guy one-ups them, and so they get into their little zords, and they try to fight them, but alas, now the guy's as big as a skyscraper, and so they all begin to come together, clink, 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 whoom, boom, and it's like, game on, it's morphin' time, let's go kick Rita's butt, okay? That right there is what I think on Sunday morning. I wake up Sunday morning, it's like, it's morphin' time. Like, let's get, <laughs> let's get the body of Christ together. Let's get all these different gifts, all of these different personalities. Let's commute the crazy into the old Rite Aid on Four Mile, worship the Lord. In our natural hands, we lift them and they become holy. And you have a word for somebody else that's going through it. And, and Ed and Sheila have a marriage that's, I don't know, 150 years old or whatever. Now they, they're having a small group. And you guys are going to it. Hallelujah. You know? It's like, like that right there. Do you see it? The body of Christ. Everybody say it's morphin' time. I made everybody say that. <laughs> that's what it is. Many-membered body coming together. Whew kick the devil's butt. Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching. Pause. What is the scripture? This is talking about the early church. Everybody's busting their pastor. Like, pastor, why can't we be like the early church? Listen to it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came on every soul. You know what that is, by the way? That's when you come here and you're like, this is awesome, this is amazing. Don't fall away. You're in a very important time. If you've only been coming a couple weeks and you, you feel this lift, don't fall away. You have that awe right now. And the Spirit of God won't contend with man for long. Don't go back to Egypt. Stay plugged in. That awe can continue. Wow. Awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were sitting uh, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Pause. What is that? Attending the temple together is church. The early church, they, they rented out, of, they were mobile, they rented out the temple Sunday, right? No, no Jews are there on Sunday. Temple is on Sunday. They're having church in the temple on Sunday. Day by day, what is that? That's during the week. When it says breaking bread, again, Communion is more than just the fish, food, and welches. It's you having community with other people and with God. It's you. Can I tell you what the most pure communion would be? Is if you were in a small group and they had ribs. Communion. That's what the early church was. You cannot do, you do origami to the Greek to make it something else. The widows weren't getting fed. That's one of the reasons why we started the deacon position. Wow. These guys are day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people, with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These guys are doing it. They're worshiping the Lord. They're honoring him with their lives. They're in small group. It is organized. It's underneath the apostles' covering. There's a, there's a real leader. They're being taken care of. They're praying for one another. It's pretty cool. And while they do these things, these works, go back to your first works. While they're doing those things, the Bible says that God's blessing, his presence, and his favor fell on all of them. So much so that the world, the outsiders, looked at their life and they said, what these people are selling me on Instagram, what these people are selling me on TV, that's not so good. That's real. That church thing is real. They actually love each other. Can, is that scalable, Pastor Joe? Can we become a big church and still love each other? Yes. Friend, I'm here to tell you, we need to. We need to be the church that invests in people. If you just come here and you're alone and you leave alone, you don't know anybody here. Friend, learn a name today. Don't leave this place without all of it. It produced more and more disciples. The church was, their numbers were being added to daily because the world finds real things attractive. And they find things that are a bunch of baloney in the world. They can see through it right away. Wow. When the world was motivated by fear and hate and selfishness and a consumer mentality, this church shone out among the rest. And it was, in a word, outstanding to the world. And that's who we're called to be. The devil has attacked, I believe, in the past two years especially, the gathering of the church because he knows the critical threat it is against his kingdom. That so many people in our community, in our family, in western Michigan need a relationship with Jesus. 
And friend, he knows if he can isolate us and make us think that we belong to the first church of the golf course, that he will make us inept and paralyzed and alone. Easy pickings for the enemy. But here's what I know. When the church of Jesus Christ gathers together and we worship him and we lift his name high, that same presence that was on the early church will fall on us. The same favor that was on their life will fall on our lives. And when the church gathers, it's a breeding ground for miracles. Can I hear an amen, church? Hallelujah. (laughs) Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for meeting us here. God, I thank you for your church on which the gates of hell will never prevail against. God, I thank you for releasing our personal relationship with you into a local body. Lord, I thank you that you use us here. We are many, many members. We need every single one of us. God, I pray for my church that they would realize who they're called to be and that they have a part to play and that somebody else needs what they're bringing to the table. God, for those that have a a ministry gift of mercy or grace, I pray that they don't discount it just because they're good at loving people. God, I pray for those people that are good at prayer, They don't look over their gift and think, ah, listen, nobody needs to know about it. God, I pray for those people that are bold, for my kings in the room, for those that are financial champions that go out there and have their own businesses that were downtrodden over the last two years but are still standing. I pray that they would realize as kings that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. God, I pray for my people who have gifts of communication, albeit personally or publicly. That, God, you'd make their tongue the pen of a ready writer. Give them a word in season. God, I pray for the older generation that they'd be sparked in their spirit today not to look over the time they have left, but to value every minute of it. God, I pray for the young people to not be despised for their youth, but to be an example to all the believers, to not discount who God has made them to be because they could leave this church. God, for all of us in the midtones living our everyday lives, let us not be so consumed with making Pharaoh's Egyptian bricks, consuming our everyday life, that we forget that we're living stones building a spiritual house, that God has a plan through it all. God, I pray for my people. If there's anybody in the sound of my voice, God, I pray that you'd help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just one more minute. If you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus You don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says if you call Jesus Lord, you'll be saved. What does that mean? It means you'll have an eternity in heaven once you die. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But more than all of that, the eternal life that you're looking for, that peace, can be found at the other end of amen. Calling him Lord isn't just reciting poetry to him. It's making him boss over your life. It's you essentially saying that you're not such a good God. You've realized you're not such a good God over your own life, and you're putting him in control. When you do that, he makes all things new from the inside out. If you're ready to say that prayer in this room, we want to say it with you just to support you and as a declaration of our faith. Church, pray it with me. Pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I could be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ 
is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I put you first. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Guys, the reason why we get excited about that is because we know the, the freedom, the life that's on the other end of the prayer you just prayed. Let somebody know about it. Just like for first-time visitors, what Pastor Brian talked about, on those connection cards, there's a little box that you can check that says, I accepted Christ. Do that, and here's what we're going to do. Not embarrass you, call you down to the front. We're going to send you a note in the mail in a nondescript envelope that talks to you about next steps. God has great things for you, huge things for you in your life, the least of which is to fill out that card. And so if you came with somebody that accepted Christ, grab them, fill out one of those forms. We'd love to be able to connect with them in that way. One last time, church, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. <laughs> Praise God. You can stand up on your feet. Hey, did anybody get anything out of the series? Was that good? Yeah? I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I want to invite you back next week. Everybody said next week? We're starting a new series called Armor Up. You might have noticed the card on your seat when you walked in. The idea is this. God has armor, spiritual armor, that we need to put on. And I'm going to be talking about the armor of God in the month of February. As you know, I'm a huge football buff. And so not only... I'm glad that that rumor is starting to get suppressed. But not only is this series going to be fun for the guys in your life, I think all family should be coming out to this. And also, that means don't miss on February 13th our Super Bowl party that we'll be having uh, way later after church watching the game on these big screens. Uh, I do want to invite those of you with chili or dips. Please do sign up over at Guest Services. But make sure next week you bring somebody with you who needs this type of message and encouraging word. I uh, also want to let you know that after today's service, if you're on the Go Team, please don't leave. We're having a Go Team rally point. And that is, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the next several months of programming that we have up until Easter. One of the big things we're going to be talking about in detail is uh, something I'll share with you guys on a cursory level, and that is that New Kids is making a big move. Get excited if you know anything about this. Yeah. So what is currently our, our nursery and our preschool is now going to be our offices in something called the Grow Room. We are moving over, so you can see the double doors in the auditorium, over into what is the family entrance, and we're adding three check-in. You can see that in the yellow area, check-in area. We're adding three check-in spots. So my encouragement is this. If you're a family with kids, we love you, and we want to make it easy on you. Park as close to the hill as you can, because that will be the entrances that you'd like to go into to be able to check your kids in, and once you're checking them out, it'll make it easy for you to leave. If you don't have kids, your kids are grown or you're single, park towards the four-mile show place to leave space for these families who are coming in. I have no doubt that like most things when you start them out fresh and new the first day, it's a little bit of, you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And so... Um, <laughs> So make plans, uh, and then also, for a little extra time, come a little bit early because your kid is going to be in a different class except for elementary, but with elementary, it's a different entrance into all of that. We'll eventually get rid of these uh, check-in uh, uh, kiosks that are over in this wall, but we won't do that until some of the confusion of the change uh, dies down probably six to eight weeks, maybe even after Easter altogether. So I'm excited about that because we're going to be able to serve our kids in a better, more state-of-the-art classroom than ever before. Can we give God praise for that? That is awesome. 
We talked about church in rows. That's what you're in right now. Church in Circles is going to be starting on February 6th. Out there, you might have noticed our table with signups for several different small groups that we're offering, some for marriage, some people for prayer and other things. I'm going to be leading one on faith. It's going to be pretty exciting. might be the best one. Uh, but, but all of that being said, please do sign up for that. Don't forget, church isn't just Sunday. It's day by day. God has something significant for you day by day. Uh, that's all I have for you. Babe, why don't you come up here? Your pretty hair. My Atlanta, you look beautiful. Hey, we love you. We're a church that loves people. Bring somebody next week. We're going to have a riot in this new series, Armor Up. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week. See you next weekend.